buried beneath the rubble of time are stories of God's sovereign hand moving in our great nation. Many believers, hopeless, frustrated, and confused, have all but given up on America. But we have faced dark times before, and by divine providence, overcome. From our studio on Capitol Hill, I'm your host, Brad Wells, with Pastor Mike Creed, Joe Kirby, and Andrew Friedenstein. How did the Marbleheads and Heavy Fog save the American Revolution? Take a moment with us to look back and find hope from history. Now, today we're going to talk about the Battle of Brooklyn Heights. And Brother Creed, you've been wanting to tell this story for several weeks now. And I guess it's about Washington's uh, uh, failure. He, he, he lost the battle. He retreated. retreated. And um, why is this story uh, so, um, at the tip of your tongue, why do, you want, why do you want to tell this story? He had just had Washington, young General Washington, had just had a great victory, literally up in Boston, mm-hmm. on Dorchester Heights. They had actually brought cannons from Fort Ticonderoga. And during the nighttime, while the British were in Boston, he lined the hills of Dorchester Heights with these cannons. When the British came out in the morning, they were, they were they were shocked. They were so shocked that they loaded up everybody on ships. They even got the folks that were, you know, loyal to to England, uh, yeah, civilians, the, and, and loaded a thousand of them up, and they floated out. And it was a great victory for now. Young General Washington is down on Long Island in New York. He has his forces there, and the British come in with thirty-two thousand. Soldiers. Wow. So, so he was kind of like the young gun, gets out there, gets really, oh, I don't know if we call it a cheap victory, but he just. A he, quick victory. A an quick easy victory, victory. Easy victory. And now they're like ready to put this guy down. They right. don't, they're not going to mess around anymore. They come in with the, the largest fighting force ever assembled on American soil. Wow. 32,000, uh, you know, military fo- uh, soldiers. And then they come in with 10,000 sailors. And they said that the mass of the ship looked like a forest out, in, out there in the harbor. And uh, he thought they were coming another direction. I mean, he blew it just several times he blew it. Andrew can. Yeah. Well, he blew, you know, the, he thought, oh, they're going to come on land here. Well, then they just pull up into the harbor almost overnight, 30 battleships, hundreds of support trips, uh, ships. And they're just kind of all looking out and going, um, um, oops. <laughs> This is not right. what we were expecting, because uh, all how all the islands work and rivers, it's it's you know complicated, be hard to see over a podcast and get it. But uh, they have essentially control of the battlefield because of these ships, and nothing's really wide land, so they can all be reached from the ships. It's just a matter of navigating the currents and everything. So, so did, did we establish where where is this battle taking place? What, what's the location? What's it kind of look like? Describe. It's that on place. Long Island, and literally. George Washington had his men on Long Island. There was a fort there, and and the British come in at the base of Long Island, at the end of Long Island, unload all these uh, sailors and uh, these these soldiers, and they begin a trek. One night, in the in the darkness of the night, the British come up quietly. They attack a fort, and uh, George Washington has a has a great loss. I mean. A regiment from Maryland was there, and only a couple people survived from that. Now they come to a place called Brooklyn Heights. They're surrounded by water on three sides, and the British 
on the other side, uh, just locking them into this peninsula. There's nowhere to go, 8,000 troops with George Washington. And if they lose, literally, it's over with. Yeah. And it meaning the war. The war's done. The fight for independence yes. is yes. over if they lose this battle. Yes. And the, the soldiers and the officers are not happy with Washington. Of course, you know, losing on a battlefield is humiliating. I mean, they just didn't get, they just didn't lose. I mean, they just ran. I mean, there, there really wasn't any fighting. You made mention the the Maryland group, you know, 400 soldiers. That's only people that really stood their ground and just fought. Only and, two of them survived. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so, but they're just running. I mean, they're, we're not having real, you know, as we think of, you know, musket to musket, hand to hand. That's not happening. The Continental Army is just running away. Washington restructured his entire army literally days before he was expecting the British to land. So they hadn't done any drills or coordination how they were organized now. Most of his officers, he sent them to uh, another place to do a trial. He sent almost half of his regimental leaders to another place to do a trial for a guy for mutiny. So half of his officers aren't even with the newly reorganized army. And this is all just days before the British is attacking. So the soldiers know this. And like, this is just ridiculous. They missed obvious things. They did not explore the land. Mistake after mistake after mistake. Uh, and it leads them to the point that, you know, they're, they're stuck. They're on the cusp of just being annihilated and having to surrender. It's August 27th, 1776, and the battle begins. The British get them, get them cornered up here in Brooklyn Heights. They have their tents there. Their fires are burning. And a storm comes in that night. Mm-hmm. And the British said, well, it's kind of like a cat playing with a mouse, you know, before he eats it. He's just kind of playing around. And, and they, and you know, the British are like, why not wait till tomorrow? It's raining, bad storm, you know. And So they're not even taking this revolution in their minds, this revolution, seriously. They're just, they're going to stomp it out any time they want. George Washington is totally outnumbered. Yeah. Yep. There's other ships that could come up, but the weather had stopped the ships from coming up into the East River. And so, I mean, he it's sail, it, it's ships, it's soldiers. Yeah. You know, they're just sitting there playing with them. Yep. Mm-hmm. And a storm comes in that night, rain going sideways, so the ships could not sail up into the harbor. Another thing that, you know, I see God does. If they're coming to, to cut them off. They from, could cut them off from Manhattan. Okay. And so we find that George Washington comes up with a plan to move all the men through the night very quietly, keeping fires burning, keeping tents there, British kind of looking. But as I've read the story in a lot of different accounts, they didn't ever hear or see anything happening. They didn't see this happening. And then comes the Marbleheads. Now, this is what we're waiting for here. The Marbleheads. (laughs) The Marbleheads. You know, we did that introduction. And uh, uh, and I knew this story, but I had never read about the Marbleheads. And the first thing... I think I've I've been called a Marblehead before. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's not these guys. You kind of look like a Marblehead. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I didn't say that. Um, Anyways, moving on. So, the Marblehead Regiment. Okay. So, if you're like me, first time I read it, honestly, I thought it was a typo. I'm like, someone put a typo in this history book. They are actually from a town in Massachusetts called Marblehead. It's northeast of Boston, um, and it's on a little peninsula there, and they're all fishermen. That's how they made their living. 
And Washington knew this. And so he looks to them uh, and says, hey, guys, um, we've got to get out of here ASAP. It's got to be quiet, and it's got to be tonight. And this is 8,000 troops. Now, we think, oh, we've got all these mass transportation. I mean, we're talking fishing boats that you fit 20, 30 people in. And so their leader, John Glover, he organizes this whole thing. He knew all his men, and they scrounge up these boats, and they go. Uh, Washington, I mean, it, it's amazing how quiet it was. Nobody knew, and they all go across this river. Uh, but it wasn't always real organized. The Army was very undisciplined. There's stories of actually Washington picking up a boulder and at this boat because it was so overloaded and said that either some of you get out of this boat or I'm going to throw this boulder, break this boat up, and drown you all. Wow. Some of you get out of this boat. <laughs> Somehow amongst all this chaos, uh, they get across this river. But they didn't really all get across before the dawn happened. In the dawn, in the morning, the sun comes up. The British could have seen them crossing, and there could have been... As the sun rises, it's going to be right there in plain view. They could there could see have been it. great losses. Yeah, sitting as, ducks. As I said, that storm stopped, but, but now there is a fog that rises up in the river. George Washington was the, on the last boat. He made sure all the men got across. And as he is going across, in this fog, the fog rises and the British look over. There's empty tents. The wow. whole place is empty. 8,000 men have gone across to Manhattan uh, from Brooklyn Heights. The fog rises. They shoot a couple shots at George Washington, and they cannot reach him. And, right. and there is a great – in a loss, there's a great victory. I – I was looking at Job uh, in Job chapter 23 uh, and verse 10, but he knoweth the way that I take. God knows all about it. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes a loss is in, is in his plan. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, the loss that he, all the mistakes he made here, which were tremendous. Some people, um, generals in the Continental Army, said that this was one of the worst showing of generalship that they had ever read or heard about. And these were people that knew, of, knew their trade fairly well. They said that the whole thing was just a catastrophe as far as from the defense and how they set up everything. They said it was awful. Um, and a lot of people did not like Washington, and he kind of fell out of favor for a while. But Washington's great ability to learn and to uh, develop, we can see – a lot of those lessons taking place and him learning when later on that year he crosses the Delaware and comes up with a amazing set of victories, uh, continuous victories from there on, and he continues to learn. And the Marbleheads were involved up there. Yeah, Marbleheads were there too. In fact, the Marbleheads, they rode them all across, marched and fought for 36, eight, 36 hours straight, and then with hundreds of prisoners in addition to the Army, they rode them all back across before they ever got a break. Hey, so it's not so bad to be a marble, Marblehead after all. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a compliment, Brad. It's a compliment. a compliment. So I'm looking this up. A town, speaking of Marblehead, Massachusetts, a town with roots in commercial fishing, whaling, and yachting. Marblehead was a major shipyard and is often referred to as the birthplace of the American Navy. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So it's amazing to see how God uses whoever he wants to do his will 
and his choice. And I think if we look at each one of our lives, we can see how God has chosen to use us, not really in our strengths, but in our weaknesses. And out of um, our weaknesses, we show God's great glory and God's great strength. So remember, sometimes you win and sometimes you learn. Either way, God gets the glory. God does things for his glory and our good. Today, find that hope from history. Take a step forward, trusting and believing God that even in your weakness, even in your failures, if you learn, if you give it to God, he can use you. Be sure to listen each week and find hope from history. Learn more on our website, awakeamericaonline.org. Subscribe, share, consider partnering with us in prayer.